It is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Good show coming up on uh, today's show. <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. Um, uh, Michael Grady, Timberwolves play-by-play voice. Um, new, new Timberwolves play-by-play voice will join me here in a little while. I had a chance to talk to him. It was a couple weeks ago now out at the State Fair, and I was kind of hanging on to it until we got a little bit closer to... Timberwolves season, but I thought it'd be weird if I waited too long because it didn't sound like, wow, why? It's from the State Fair that you know, stir the echoes of the State Fair, but it's still nice enough right now. We're not too far removed from the fair. I thought this might be the sweet spot for sharing that interview with you. So that'll be a little later on in the show. Got to get to the Brett Favre welfare scandal. Not a great look, not a good look, not even a mediocre look for the former Vikings great who also played for the Packers in his day. So we'll get to that story in a little bit. And uh, everything from the Vikings game on Sunday last week was was generally good news. I mean, it's hard to find a whole lot to nitpick from a 23-7 win over your biggest rival in Kevin O'Connell's head coaching debut. But I found one thing to be concerning while I was watching it, and the numbers from Pro Football Focus confirmed my eye test so I'll get to that in a little bit as well but first what did I miss I want to start with the twins as I often do this time of year they won again yesterday shutting out the Royals in the big picture of this season I feel like the last two nights were probably going to be too little too late Cleveland also won both those nights of the twins now just 21 games remaining to make up five games on Cleveland. Now, conveniently, they do have a five-game series with Cleveland coming up here in just a couple of days, so the opportunity still does exist, but they'd have to be awfully good in that series. You would imagine they'd have to take at least four of those games to feel like they were in any kind of position to make a real run. And again, not out of the realm of possibility. Cleveland just swept a three-game series at Target Field, so if the Twins got the sorts of pitching performances in that series that they've gotten the last two nights, where Joe Ryan, we talked about this extensively on Wednesday's show, had seven no-hit innings a couple nights ago, and then Sonny Gray follows that up with seven shutout innings uh, in Wednesday's win over Kansas City. That said, like I said, probably probably too little too late at this point. Fangraphs gives them like a 7% chance to make the postseason right now. Still a chance, not you know, not in the... You know, not in the mathematically eliminated territory or anything like that yet, but it's statistically very improbable at this point. So what I want to do instead of focusing on those kind of flickering hopes is think ahead a little bit to 2023 and maybe the one thing that could give you a little bit of optimism about this team. And I mentioned this briefly, I think, with Royce. can't remember if it was last week or this week, but... Um, One thing that they have been forced to do this year is explore a lot of different pitching options. Some of them haven't been as good as the others, but if you can envision a time where, A, they don't have so many pitching injuries stacked up on top of each other, and B, that some of the minor league pitchers that they have are ready to produce, ready to be up in the big leagues... um, then I can you can imagine the 2023 starting rotation being 
maybe an asset. I'm, I'm thinking specifically here because we just watched um, we just watched Gray pitch seven shutout innings. We just watched Joe Ryan pitch seven hitless innings. I mean, those guys have been kind of the anchors of the rotation this year. Sonny Gray absolutely has been as advertised for them this year. That that seven shutout innings got his ERA under three. Um, in you know modern baseball, that is a you know a very good number. Joe Ryan has you know been their probably their most you know, consistent starter in terms of taking the ball every five six days, giving them pretty good outings. Now his his numbers are a little lopsided versus good teams versus bad teams, um, but you know sometimes that's just the case. As Rocco Baldelli likes to say, the good teams are good for a reason. They win a lot of their games. It's hard to beat them. So you'd like to see Joe Ryan smooth that out as time goes on. But he's been quite good as a rookie. Those two, you can imagine, anchoring their rotation again next year to a certain degree. Now, Joe Ryan under contract for many more years, team control for many more years. Sunday Gray has a team option in 2023. That was a key piece of that trade before they got him uh, before the start of this season. So... I would imagine, um, you know, barring something strange that that gets picked up. You know, then you guys start talking about guys like Bailey Ober, who had a promising start to the year before that was derailed by injuries. Guys like Josh Winder, who looked like he had something going before being beset by injuries. Kenta Maeda will be back this, you know, back next season fully, you would imagine, from that Tommy John surgery. We'll see where Chris Paddock is, is at, the guy they got from the Padres right before the season started. He had Tommy John early in the year. Does that mean he's a candidate to be back mid to late next season. Um, someone like Tyler Malley, who's also under you know arbitration eligible in 2023 under team control, um, assuming he gets whatever this shoulder fatigue is sorted out, he is another option. Louis Varland, any number of guys in the minors. So just thinking ahead, and again, this season's not done yet, but just thinking ahead to what the pitching plan might be next season. Um, you, you might not need to go into free agency thinking about guys like Dylan Bundy, guys like Chris Archer. No offense to those guys, major league pitchers in the 99.99 percentile of you know best pitchers in the world. But you know Bundy's been Bundy's been serviceable, um, especially if for the, for the role the Twins have had him in. Archer, I guess you could say that about him too. But when you've got two guys who you know don't work deep into games, who who put a lot of strain on the bullpen. I just don't think that's a good plan to go into next year with. I mean, how how much more relaxed can a team be when a, when a starter goes seven innings? I mean, they don't have to be seven shutout innings, but just seven innings these last two nights. Such a strange thing for this team. Such a, you know, something we're not used to. So just thinking ahead a little bit, there'll be plenty of time to sort that all out. It's, you know, more than six months till the start of the 2023 season. There's still meaningful games to be played this year but just thinking ahead maybe the pitching you know kind of like the Vikings offensive line when something's a uh, you know a, a detriment a problem for so long you worry about it worry about it worry about it now the Vikings offensive line might be okay and maybe the twin starting rotation will be okay in 2023 as well MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineandSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. We got Michael Grady. The new play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Timberwolves coming here by way of 
New York. Was with the uh, doing a lot of stuff with the Brooklyn Nets and with uh, with the with the WNBA in the, in New York. Um, Indiana native originally. So, uh, Michael, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank so, you for having me. T- tell me, just, it's right off the bat. This is I'm imagining this is your first Minnesota State Fair. You this might is, not have. This is. Maybe you've been here to Minnesota a few times as like a visiting media, but what's the experience been like so far? I've been blown away. Um, I know I need to get cookies from Miss Martha. Sweet Martha, yes. Sweet Martha. I know I need to do that. Um, So I've just been kind of overwhelmed by walking in and checking this out. Indiana State Fair is nice, but this is blowing it away um, by leaps and bounds. Like, this is fantastic. Fantastic. This is a good welcome to Minnesota moment because it doesn't get much more quintessentially Minnesota than our State Fair. But (laughs) that said, I mean, you've only – you've like I said, it's kind of been a whirlwind. You got hired a couple weeks ago officially. The season's going to start here in a little over a month, preseason, right. you know, regular season, stuff like that. Right. Like, what has this kind of adjustment period been like? You know, it's been exciting um, being able to enjoy it with my family and, you know, talking through everything and, and getting settled in, finding a place to live, getting to know the people within the organization, and we're getting really excited about meeting people in the community and the fan base as well. So it's been a roller coaster, and I've just kind of taking my hands off the steering wheel and just kind of enjoyed the ride. So I'm looking forward to it. It's been a whirlwind to this point, and we haven't even really gotten started yet. For those who aren't familiar with your voice or how you might call a game, do you have a certain style that you present or how, how do you what what how do you how do you characterize your your approach to calling a game I, I would I would say I would say passion is a hallmark okay. you know, I grew up really loving the game and I think one thing that we can't forget is that it is a game you know it's serious you want to win you hate losing all that type of stuff but it's fun and there'll be an element of fun and enjoyment and on my bro- on the broadcast with with Jim who's Amazing at what he does as an analyst. And so I think folks are going to hear passion, um, passion for the team, passion for the game. And uh, I, I think we're going to be on a wild ride together. This is a talented team. The Western Conference is deep and yes. tough. So every night is going to be a, a dogfight. But I, I think people are going to enjoy you know, the, the, the humor, the fun, the way the game is called. And again, that word passion. Speaking of a wild ride, like I said, you came from New York, Brooklyn. That was a season last year. <laughs> what, how did you kind of navigate everything that was happening with the Brooklyn Nets last year? I tell you what, one, one of the things I'm excited about is just being able to talk about basketball and enjoy <laughs> basketball. Not talk about I, vaccination I, I status. Vaccination, none of that stuff. If a guy's happy, does he really want to be here, that type of thing. Um, so, uh, but I, I, I loved every, every minute of my time and the people there in Brooklyn and, and have great admiration for all of them. But this is a, an opportunity that I'm really, really, really excited about with this group. A young group, yeah. a hungry group. Um, a b- the back against the wall, us versus everybody type situation. There's a lot to get excited about with this group, and I'm excited to be able to be a part of telling the stories. Now, I love, speaking of telling stories, I love hearing people's stories of kind of how they got to where they are. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe kind of give me a description of your path to, you know, how do you got from, you know, little kid growing up in, in Indianapolis <laughs> to, you know, where you're sitting in this chair right now? Well, I knew I wanted to get into sports broadcasting probably um, during the 1998 NBA playoffs. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Um, so I was a big Pacer fan growing up. So all those battles with the Knicks in the mid-90s, that whole thing, 
But I really started paying attention to sports broadcasting in 98 and watching Bob Costas and him call the NBA Finals. And, okay. of course, Game 6 with Michael Jordan's final shot in the Bulls uniform. And I, I said, you know, this is something that I really want to do. My voice started to change a year later. Okay. And we had a broadcasting program at my high school that I just kind of gravitated towards and put everything into it. And that just carried me from there through college and then getting a job out of school at a radio station where I was just a board op, just pushing buttons, not yeah. doing anything on air, and then producing a sports talk show, eventually getting on air, doing work with the Pacers as a PA announcer, uh, hosting a radio show for nearly a decade, uh, being a sports anchor on the local ABC affiliate, and, and I mentioned PA announcer for the Pacers, yeah. and doing those three things at the same time for three years. Busy. Before New York came calling. That sounds busy. Yeah, it was. It was. But again, passion, love, yeah. appreciation. You know, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I never would have imagined that I'd be able to, you know, I was confident and hope that I'd be able to accomplish these things. But if I were to tell 15-year-old Michael, this is what you're going to be doing, then yeah. I'd be sitting here having this conversation as the play-by-play -play for the Timberwolves. I don't know that I'd have believed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of how things work, though. It sounds like hard work has gotten you, certainly to this point. Has it been basketball that's been kind of your number one passion in terms of the route you wanted to take within broadcasting? Yeah, NBA was always number okay. one. NFL was, NFL's not been far off. I love football, too. Um, but basketball was always it. I couldn't escape it. Couldn't get away from it. Um, just a student of the game. Love watching. Love having conversations about it. And, of course, love calling the action. So uh, basketball has uh, long been number one. As you think about the Timberwolves this season, and just if you guys just stopping by or walking by, I'm chatting with Michael Grady, the new play-by-play -play voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on Valley Sports North. So enjoy listening to him a lot more this year and in years to come. But as you think about this year's team, I mean, they did a lot. Um, you know, they made a big step last year to get to the playoffs for the first time in you know in four years, and now yeah. you know you bring in Tim Connolly. He makes the blockbuster trade for Rudy Gobert. I mean, there's, there's a certain set of expectations here that maybe hasn't been present for a while. How do you, you know, as someone who's up to this point probably looked at it as, you know, from the outside looking in, how do you assess this franchise and team and their direction? Well, they're hungry for sure. And I know that there's a bad taste in their mouths from the way this past postseason ended. Yeah. Um, giving up big leads, being right there. But they got a taste of what playoff action is all about and what it takes to be successful. And so there's a hunger that's been evident during this offseason and the work that they're putting in so that they don't have that feeling again in the future. It still won't be easy. The Western Conference is extremely deep, extremely tough. Every game will be brutal. But that was a great learning experience, what they were able to go through and getting in the play-in scenario and then battling with Memphis in a series that they probably should have won. Could have won at the very Absolutely. least. Absolutely. Yeah. When you have, was it three double-digit leads in the fourth quarter? And not just not 10-point leads. No, like big ones. Like big leads. Big ones. That they let get away. So that doesn't sit well with anybody. And if you're a competitor, you can't wait to get back into the gym to rewrite history. So when you bring in Rudy Gobert, yeah. I think one of the things that will be really compelling is that, okay, they may have offensive struggles on a given night or whatever it may be, but what they'll be able to do defensively should be able to make up for that on nights where the offense isn't necessarily clicking. And defense wins championships, old cliche, um, but that is what they're going to be relying on this upcoming season. So teams will try to counter that with maybe some small ball and try to get them in foul trouble, whatever it may be, but having Rudy Gobert 
you know, multi-time defensive player of the year as an anchor in the middle, mm-hmm. allowing Cat to have free reign defensively and on the offensive side of the ball is a dynamic that I think a lot of people are excited to see. That and Anthony Edwards taking his game yeah. to another level in year three. Now, there's going to be games where you're calling that they do blow a lead, I'm sure. There's going to be things, you know, they're going to lose games this year. There's no doubt about that. You know, yeah. I think one of the – whenever you see, like, the social media debate or just people talking about the broadcast team for anybody, it's it's always the subject of, oh, he's he's too much of a homer or, oh, he's too hard. Or, it's, it's like there's never – no one ever says, ah, it's just right or something like that. As you think about that, how do you call a game when – you know, the team is either bad or is, is bad that night. And, you know, I think Jim Peterson is, is known pretty well for being a pretty honest analyst yeah. and will, will speak his mind and will not, you know, not hold back in, in offering, you know, constructive critiques of what's going on. How do you, how do you present that as, as you're calling a game? I think constructive critique is the right, right word there. Okay. Um, you, you don't want to go overboard and you don't want to just rip a group of guys but you, from a credibility standpoint, you need to be honest as a broadcaster. And then whether the team is, is you know, winning out there or having an off night, whatever it may be, I think the folks that are watching are Timberwolves fans and they're also basketball fans. And so if there's a game where they're playing the Lakers and LeBron is going off, you have to appreciate what you're seeing right in front of you. If Steph Curry is going off, you have to appreciate what's happening. So... I'm not going to groan and go, oh, Steph Curry got another one. No, we're basketball fans. We're watching something awfully impressive. The great thing is we're going to see Anthony Edwards do that more often than not, and we'll be able to enjoy that ride watching him. We'll be able to watch Carl Anthony Towns have more success than not on any given night with his skill and ability. Rudy Gobert, what he does on the defensive side of the ball, and he's eager to show what he can do on the offensive end too. D'Angelo Russell, can't forget about him, and the other pieces on the roster. So – There'll be, you know, stars and great teams coming in, but this is a great team in itself to get excited about. So we'll call the game. You know, we'll they'll obviously be, we'll, you know, lean toward the Timberwolves, obviously. Uh, but we're basketball fans, too, and we're just going to enjoy the action and enjoy telling the story over the course of a game yeah. and over the course of an entire season. Do you have games that you've called, been a part of in your past that you that stand out as like – I? I can't believe I got to be a part of that or just memorable moments in your career so far. I, I, you know, it's a treat every time I get to call a game. Um, so last season, for those who know, I was with Brooklyn and, yep. and was able to call you know, a handful of games. And you have Kyrie Irving on the roster. You have Kevin Durant on the roster. Uh, the game that was probably most memorable to me was a game where neither of those guys played. And the Nets were at Madison Square Garden, which is the mecca, of course. And they were down by 28 points at one point wow. in the game and then put together a comeback with basically role players, no real star players out there on the floor, and mounted a comeback at the Garden, and that was probably the highlight of the season for me. Um, but also I had a 51-point Kevin Durant game, uh, they called, and a 60-point hmm. Kyrie Irving game uh, last season. So there were some, some great moments over the, uh, this past year that were a lot of fun to call. Aside from the obvious kind of star players here in Minnesota, who are you looking forward to? watching the most or getting to know the most as you kind of look at this roster? I'm honest with you, everybody, you know, top, top to bottom, you know, so the stars, as you mentioned, but I, I think when you look at the Western Conference and just how deep it is, you know that you're going to be relying on your second unit a lot. So I'm excited to see what Kyle Anderson looks like yeah. in a Minnesota Timberwolves Slow-mo. uniform. Slow-mo. Uh, earned that nickname, but he's, <laughs> a, but he's a quality player that should really help out this Timberwolves squad. Uh, but Austin Rivers, a new guy on the roster, 
Um, Jaden McDaniels is a guy that isn't talked about a whole lot, but I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Probably will be in that starting lineup, but looking forward to checking him out. So everybody on the roster is going to play an important role in the success of this team. And everybody on the roster that's returning had to look in the mirror after what transpired last season and that loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. So everybody's going to be important, and I'm looking forward to getting to know all the guys. And, again, I'm saying a lot, telling their story. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's what you do, though. I'm enjoying this conversation yeah. with Michael Grady, the new play-by-play voice for the Timberwolves. Just a few more things for you before we, before we wrap up. I mean, as you kind of think about – I had Tim Connolly, the, the new president of basketball operations, out here on Friday – we were just talking about expectations. Like, Carl Anthony Towns signed his extension a couple months ago, and he said championship or bust. Like, that's a, that's a big thing to say, and Tim Connolly kind of rolled his eyes like, yeah, he said that. I maybe wish he would have phrased it a little differently or something like that. But, yeah. you know, there's so many good teams. There's so many good players. You know, teams can have expectations going into this season. What, what should this team's – what level do you think they're on right now? And, you know, what, what's the kind of arc for – you know, a team that's ascending, but maybe not all the way there yet. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at um, Cat for saying championship or bust. Um, I, don't think you sh- I don't think you say that or should say that if you're not kicking butt in the gym yeah. during the offseason, right? So that makes me excited in terms of what he's going to look like this upcoming season if he's going to allow himself to say championship or bust. So he's got to be putting a lot of work in the gym, and I'll be curious to see that. For me, looking at this squad and, again, looking at the West – if they were able to get home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, I think that's huge. I think that's, that's what I'm looking at. If you, can get first, if you can get home court advantage in the first round, that's huge. So top four seeds in the, in the Western Conference. And, again, you got Golden State. Yeah. You got the Lakers at full strength. Big. Yeah, Lakers aren't going to be the Lakers. Right, they they're not going to be you know, the no. terrible squad they were a season no. ago. That's if they can stay healthy, obviously. Right. The Clippers with Kawhi Leonard yeah. back in the mix. Jamal Murray is now back with the Denver Nuggets. They're going to be a problem. The Phoenix Suns were the top seed in the Western Conference last season. New Orleans Pelicans are welcoming back Zion Williamson, and they were one of the bright stories this past yeah. year. Um, the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> with Luka, and they added some pieces. Man, so, I mean, yeah. this is – I'm, le- I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. Uh, but the West, that just, again, shows just how tough the Western Conference is and – if, you're, if the Timberwolves are able to get a top-four seed, I think that's a huge win for the squad. Now, they were a play-in last year. In, yeah. the, in the old system, they would have been an easy you know, easy seven seed. But um, you like the play-in? I, I wasn't sure what I was going to think of it, but I, yeah. think, I think I like it now. I do like the play-in because in, in previous years before the play-in was introduced, you really only cared about the top handful of seeds. Toward the end of the season, you didn't really care about teams that were seven and eight. You really weren't paying attention to them. Now you're paying attention to set six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Yeah, yeah, right. And they're all in a battle to see if they can get in that playing scenario. So, in terms of intrigue, in terms of viewership, I think it's huge for the NBA because now there's more eyeballs that are watching everything transpire. And so that moment where the Timberwolves beat the Clippers and Pat Beverly is jumping on the scores table, and, and Anthony Edwards is doing the same. It's a, a play-in scenario, but it created a lot of excitement, got a lot of people talking, where we wouldn't have that in, another, in a different year. The year before that, you had Golden State and the Lakers yeah. in a play-in right. scenario. So it adds drama, it adds intrigue, it adds eyeballs on television 
which is, of course, bringing in money, and the NBA loves that. So NBA, I, I love yeah. it from the intrigue and the drama standpoint. I meant to ask you this earlier, but do you have anybody that you've you know, considered a mentor or somebody in this industry that you've kind of watched more closely than others as you've kind of developed your style or your, you know, how you call games? Uh, you know, I've tried to pull a lot from a lot of people. I think um, Bob Costas has always been my North Star. I um, always wanted to kind of be a combination of him and Ahmad Rashad. Um, Mark Boyle is the radio play-by-play yeah. guy of the Indiana Pacers and uh, a good friend and... He, you know, he was, when I was growing up, I'd turn the television down and have the radio up. So he was a big part of the soundtrack of my basketball viewing experience uh, as a kid. Um, Mike Brain uh, is, 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 you know, unbelievable at what yeah. he does. Uh, Joe Buck, you know, it's terrific at what he does. And then I had an amazing education these last five years in Brooklyn watching Ian Eagle, yeah. who's one of yeah. the greats in this industry. So um, there are a lot of people. Kevin Harlan, who, of course, has Minnesota yeah. you know, roots, and, and um, he's amazing. His enthusiasm I love. Gus Johnson is a great voice um, who a lot gets a lot of people excited. So there's, there's quite a few. Um, but from a young age, it got me excited and wanted to get into broadcasting. Um, Bob Costas was number one. A couple more things along those lines, too, just like developing that relationship with an audience, which, you know, is so key, and those, those yeah. the best do it kind of naturally. You know, when you're starting out brand new, how do you kind of develop that relationship with the fans and people who are going to come to you every night? Well, I think you let it happen organically, and um, I, I am excited about joining the Timberwolves family, but number one, I'm excited about joining this Minnesota family, joining this community and being a part of this community, and that excites me. And so it reminds me of my time, again, growing up in Indianapolis and fans getting excited about the team and, you know, you're rubbing elbows and high-fiving and hugging people coming from all different types of walks of life. And sports is a great equalizer. And, um, and so I love that. I appreciate that. I experienced that in Indiana, had joy in experiencing that in Brooklyn and excited about having that here as well uh, in Minneapolis. Um, and so, uh, again, sports being a great equalizer, my passion for the game, the community's passion for sure. the game. I mean, we're all, we're all on the same train. So, um, so no, so I, I, you let it happen organically, have fun with the broadcast, meet as many people as I possibly can, and just enjoy this ride. Michael Grady, last thing for you. What's the best thing you've done in Minnesota so far, aside from the fair, and what else are you looking forward to kind of exploring as you get more comfortable in this community? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a foodie, okay. so as many restaurants as I can get introduced to and check out, um, I'm all about it. And so uh, some good food spots and really all, all meals. I'm a big breakfast spot guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, with some good lunch spots, some great spots to go after games as well. So, so that's what I'm probably most excited about. I've been able to check out a handful uh, so far. So looking get, forward to getting some you'll more. You'll get more. You'll yeah, get yeah, more for a lot sure. more on the list. Well, Michael Grady, new play-by-play voice for the Timberwolves. Really enjoyed you having having you here on the Start to Bean stage. Just Thank give him a hand and uh, welcome to this so welcome to the community and good luck this season. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Michael Grady, the new Timberwolves play-by-play voice. Um, it's going to be a big year. I mean, this this thing's starting up sooner than we think. Training camp's like less than two weeks away. I think media day is like 11 days away where we get a chance to talk to some of these new guys, get kind of get a feel for where their heads are at for the start of this season and beyond. So um, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a fun winter of sports with, you know, 
the Timberwolves, the Wild, whatever the Vikings are going to do this year. It could be a pretty fun year of sports watching, sports viewing in the Twin Cities and covering sports in the Twin Cities. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that and that will more more to come, much more to come on the Timberwolves as time goes on. Let's get to a couple more stories at the end of the day here. Brett Favre, I don't know if you guys have been following the story, but this welfare story out of Mississippi is just really disgusting. Um, we, we know he, you know, he's had to pay back some money, but it all relates to kind of wanting to get money from <laughs> wanting to get money from the state to help fund a a volleyball facility at his daughter's uh, college, University of Southern Mississippi, where he went. Um, Southern Miss. So it's, you know, it's it's called these text messages that we're seeing now between he and some government officials about, hey, can you help with this project? Who knew what? Who knew where the money was coming from? Just very shady stuff. It just makes you wonder, like, what what it really makes me wonder is how much of this stuff goes on every day with high-profile people that we just never even learn about. Um, And he was very concerned about people ever finding out about where this money came from, stuff like that. So, I, it's a, I mean, it just just bothers me to to to, to read everything everything about this story. I would encourage you to go read about it because it will not leave you with a good impression of Brett Favre. Speaking of football, let's finish with the cooler. Patrick Peterson was a concern of mine when I watched the Vikings game on Sunday. Got lit up a couple times. That very first play of the game, where Christian Watson was wide open, he beat Patrick Peterson with a double move. Should have been a touchdown if Christian Watson would have held on to the ball. Um, He got beat for a long play later in the game as well. So I was wondering, what was Patrick Peterson looking like, um, according to Pro Football Focus? And it was not great. His week one grade out of of all the qualified cornerbacks, his grade was 50.5. That was 50th out of 60 qualified corners in week one. So... I'm just a little worried that Patrick Peterson has lost a step, and if he's lost a step, where does that leave them in their secondary? Because I know Cameron Dantzler had a good grade. Um, I know they're you know fairly high on Andrew Booth, and uh, you know, but beyond that, I just don't know what the depth is. If Patrick Peterson has more games like he had Sunday, secondary is suddenly going to become a primary concern for the Vikings. That will do it for me today. There'll be plenty more Vikings talk on Friday show. Ben Gessling, Star Tribune beat writer, expected to join me on that show and should be a staple of Friday daily deliveries during the Vikings football season. Thank you for joining me today. Back at it again on Friday.